0: Hi there. Welcome to the business side of fitness podcast. This is your host, Vanessa Severiano. Each week on the show, I leverage my two decades of experience in the fitness and wellness industry to have meaningful conversations with the movers and shakers behind some of the most well-known and innovative brands in our industry. This show is brought to you by Vanessa Severiano, LLC. To find out more about working with me, click the link in the show notes. And now the time has come to start the show. Everyone's got a story and it's time to hear from this week's guest. Let's welcome to the show, Stefan Silner. With a background of 18 years in the fitness industry, Stefan is a highly skilled global business development executive who has built an extensive international network. Previously, Stefan worked for Hammer Sports as the executive vice president and created distribution partnerships in 65 countries worldwide. Stefan has supported established brands such as PowerPlate and FitTech startup companies like Climber, High Gear, and Hamps in their international expansion. He recently joined the FitTech Company as an advisor as part of the new US team. Welcome to the show, Stefan. Hey, Vanessa. Thank you for having me today. I'm thrilled to have you here because I've been following you on LinkedIn. That's my favorite social media platform for everyone that listens to this podcast. They're probably sick of me talking about LinkedIn, but really, that's where it is at for me. And I'm really excited to just dive into you and your business and all of the brands that you represent, because I think you're up to some really cool stuff. So to kick things off, why don't we just start with how you got involved in the fitness industry originally and what attracted you to this line of work.
1: Thanks, Vanessa. Yeah. So I am actually really passionate about connecting people and I'm passionate about fitness in general, and then specifically building some meaningful relationships with people in the fitness industry and, you know, from people from all around the world. And yeah, fitness also, because it's just a great industry to be in to help people you know, get get to live healthier, be empowered, and just be happier. And to achieve this through fitness.
0: So, Stefan, how did you originally get started in the fitness industry and what attracted you to this line of work?
1: So I originally started my career with a strategic consulting company and we were helping multinational companies to get better processes in their like marketing and sales departments. And I soon realized that I'd rather change roles and wanted to build business myself. And yeah, I was also really passionate about sports and fitness and cultures, learning different languages and traveling. And that brought me eventually to a marketing and sales role with a German sports and fitness company as their executive vice president. And I've been doing that for 16 years. I created uh, worldwide partnerships into 65 countries for them and basically build an international business from more or less from scratch into an eight-figure business.
0: And how did you do that? How did you yeah. actually go about creating these international relationships with 65 countries? I think anybody that's listening to this podcast right now wants to expand their business. Everybody wants growth, right? How did you achieve it?
1: So basically, I looked at what competitors were doing. The company at the time didn't really have strategy behind their international sales. They were just selling off some overstock left and right. And center. And I was basically coming for strategic, more strategic background. And that's how I looked into yeah, who could be our strategic distributors, Looked at competitor brands, how they were distributed and started to contact people and, you know, build these strategic, more strategic kind of distribution relationships. And then over, of course, over 16 years time, you go to many trade shows. So that was a big one. And I would say you know, most recently LinkedIn has become uh, a bigger part of that.
0: It's amazing Um, how you can develop relationships over social media. I think so many people think of social media as posting pictures of themselves and, you know, influencers, quote unquote, of what they eat and what they wear. But on LinkedIn, there are so many business relationships that really happen behind the scenes. And that's something that I find so valuable absolutely and
1: maybe ties also into what happened then after my 16 years with that german company so so as a result of that i already had built quite some extensive network to distributors around the world but at the same time i was in that corporate career and then after 16 years i made a really big and a somewhat scary decision i would say right like to go off on my own and become my own entrepreneur for the first time in my life i moved to vancouver and uh, yeah, you know, it was quite a big decision for me because I had a well paid job basically, and I left that career behind and then faced the uncertainty of, you know, going on on my own, off on my own as an entrepreneur and having to build a, um, yeah, more of a network in North America uh, yeah. that I didn't have at that time. And uh, yeah, I would say I'm a very sociable person, but it's different when the pressure's on and when you take on assignments where you also still have to build more of your of your network and yeah i would say linkedin has been an amazing tool that tied right into that and that i have extensively used over the last three years and i also met a few really smart people that showed me how to better utilize linkedin and i basically have built now the network to almost twelve thousand contacts in the global fitness industry over the last three years
0: Wow, 12,000 contacts. Okay, you're giving me something to work towards. I'm at like 10,000. <laughs> I'm going to catch up. <laughs> you know, it's such a drag. Everybody, like, so many people you know, that work in the fitness business, we love working out and we assume everybody else loves working out. And most people think of it as a complete drag as something that's like a necessary evil. And we have to remember that, you know, we need to support products and modalities that get people excited that, you know, and I think that's one of the reasons that group fitness really has taken off boutique fitness is because it's fun to work out with friends. So Stefan, what attracts you to the brands that you work with?
1: So yeah, over time, when especially when I started going off on my own, um, I kind of came to a, a kind of a checklist for myself. I usually look, look at what is the unique value proposition a company is offering? How's the brand communicated? What's the culture of the company? How are the founders? How the CEO? How is the CEO? How is their team And I usually look for something that really attracts me in sort of a unique and a valuable contribution to society and how you know this solution or this service can actually help and make a difference in people's health and lives. And the one thing I, I just never forgot is when I was in my corporate career, we were selling home fitness equipment and what I always, I wasn't, I was never really fully satisfied with the fact that. A lot of home fitness equipment is just bought and maybe used for a few weeks. And then people end up just using it as a coat hanger. At the same time, I'm also coming uh, with a, a big passion for yeah, fun sports. I'd say like kite surfing, beach volleyball, and other sports. And so I'm, I'm really uh, familiar with this state of flow and fun that you can you know, experience when you do those things. And I always felt like there must be a way how this can also be incorporated more into fitness. And I'm, and I'm talking about the everyday person, right? Like if you're a fitness fanatic, you might get your flow and fun just by doing fitness, but trying to you know, look at a bigger scale here because in the end of the day, I think the fitness industry's task is not just to cater to the people who are already fit, but we, should, we all have a big task to help you know, humanity to become healthier, if that makes sense.
0: That makes and, a ton of sense. I feel like that's a huge responsibility for all of us in this fitness industry and how are we each individually contributing?
1: Yeah and I mean I was also always passionate in my life as well when it comes to habits and how you can change them and, and you know integrate it into a healthier lifestyle. And uh, that is a lifelong passion. I, I read a ton of books about that and eventually also actually wrote an ebook uh, which I published a few years ago on Amazon which was about uh, powerful habits for success and how you can, you know, change habits and in, like integrate them into your daily routines. And yeah, so, so it's all for me, it's about how can I add in things into fitness, like gamification, increased motivation, intrinsic motivation as well, right? Like the people, people just love what they're doing in that moment, having fun, being part of a community and being, you know, being held accountable for what you're doing. So all of these beautiful things that are often done by personal trainers when you're in a gym environment, and how to bring that more to products when people you know use them at home or on you know doing a travel or or in a hotel
0: The um, ebook is really interesting to me. I didn't know that you wrote an ebook. What are some of the powerful habits that you implement in your daily life that really took you from working as the vice president of, you know, a business and then be, you know, going out on your own as a solopreneur?
1: Well, there's a bunch of them, but I would say a really strong one is to have a good morning routine, um, which can be uh, some sort of a meditation. Sometimes it can be a run or, you know, a run first and then a meditation. I I like breathing practices. I mean, I, I kind of feel like you have to find your own thing that works for you. For me, it's about getting centered in the morning and getting organized and sorted and starting the day when not with reacting to the phone or reacting to reading first emails and whatnot, but basically take that time for myself and decide myself how I start the day. That in itself bears some sort of a power that I found that that just you know allows me to go into each day differently. And I do feel that, I mean... The other thing as well, you know, is no one's perfect. So sometimes I might also fail to do it, but I can really tell the difference now. And you know, it, I'm, not, I'm not trying to beat me beat myself up over it, but I will then, you know, being more motivated for the next day to just, you know, go back into the routine that I really like and appreciate.
0: So you've recently teamed up with some of my favorite people, Emma Barry, Eric Malzone, Natalia from the FitTech company. So, And as an advisor, what are your responsibilities as an advisor for the FitTech company?
1: So I'm basically ensuring that we support and then we connect founders and C-level executives of different FitTech companies, especially the ones that are strongly working on you know making people healthier helping humankind to be healthier and as such and it's a really fast-paced environment as well so the Fit Tech Company is a great let's say multi-channel content and networking platform I would say and our goal is just really to help with our network and through partnerships to help those great companies to get a bigger audience to scale faster and in the end, you know, help them in their why, which usually also is to make humankind healthier.
0: And so I'm sure with, through the FitTech company and through your own work, you've come across some, you know, quote unquote disruptors. And that's something that we talk about often in, in the fitness industry and in the news, people love to talk about innovation and, and disruption in the fit Tech space. And so who would you consider to be some of the biggest disruptors in FitTech?
1: I would definitely say there are the usual suspects, right? Like uh, naming a Peloton here on their whole community and content piece, or a Fitbit, and you know, and other wearable brands. Um, but I think that I would also name younger brands, and of course, you know, out of own interest, um, I'm working for some of them, and so I would definitely name Climber and High Gear as some examples that were able to create communities. Around their brand and offer a unique proposition. But I'm also thinking of some other companies that are not so known yet. One example would be Olive X, whose yeah, their, their CEO was also on our last FitTech Summit. And Olive X is an example. They're, they're bringing together blockchain, NFT, crypto, and fitness with certain activities. And they're doing this, for example, with, with one game they call Zombie Run. And they are addressing gamers who obviously do not have the healthiest lifestyles and uh, with a game like zombie run we, they basically motivate them to run to go outside to walk to do a workout and basically in a game setup scenario and then they reward those efforts actually with you know handing them over some cryptos so it's it's called play to earn uh, that concept and I think that's a perfect way how to, to motivate gamers that are usually really bound behind the desks and, and tucked the desk to go outside and get active. I'd say it's a little bit like a next level Pokemon Go kind of thing. That makes sense.
0: That's funny because that's a great example of meeting people where they're at. Instead of continuing to pedal the same agenda, we're now meeting people that are you know that aren't necessarily perhaps resonating with the message of go to the gym you know three or four times a week and walk on a treadmill or take this hit class we're meeting them where they're at by saying okay how can we go where you are already in this gaming world and and get you involved in fitness and the gamification of fitness is something that's a really interesting trend that's been that's been coming up you know i'm one of the things i'm really fascinated with By Stefan is like connecting the dots between people, opportunity and business. And I feel like, you know, you have this experience in in international sales and international business development. So what are you know, what makes you uniquely positioned to do that? Like, what's what are the keys to success?
1: Um, Yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of them. I think having experience in an industry definitely helps, right? And as as versus starting off by yourself in in something new. So having that experience of of 16 years of my corporate career, I basically took what I was already doing for the company, and just created an environment where I could be more free, I could choose with whom I work, and also being able then to utilize connections in, in so many more different ways than you could when you are in, let's say, a core set of a corporate structure. Yeah, I was always passionate about connecting people and building something together from scratch. That is definitely, you know, I would say a a character trait that really helps that I'm I'm very outgoing, outspoken, go to people, connect with them, want to learn what they're doing. I think that The one thing I I really also honed in on the last years is coming more and more from a place of servicing people and kind of thinking how I can contribute by connecting them to some awesome people. And yeah, I I think I also developed some sort of an intuition to think, okay, so what is this guy focused on? What does this company need potentially? And who do I know that could be a good fit for them?
0: I love that approach because when you sell from service, right? So many people, I think, especially in fitness are scared of sales, right? So uh, for somebody that's not in sales, which everyone is in sales, they just don't know it. <laughs> I think that can be something that's very intimidating, right? Like, oh, I don't know how to sell somebody something. And it's really being great at sales is really about being great at relationships and just matching a problem with a solution, right? And and so many people, you know, get mystified by the whole sales process of, oh, it's these intense closing techniques and I'm pressuring somebody and it's really not. Mm -hmm. It's just about nurturing relationships and helping people.
1: Yeah, and I mean, coming back to LinkedIn, really, because now, of course, I use LinkedIn already a lot more, let's say when I started off on my own. So that around like the end of 2018, and the one thing I also learned is when when I was still in my corporate career, I would often look at a connection, be it on LinkedIn or at a trade show or in real life, as to, to how does this connection benefit the company? Does this fit you're kind of in this mindset, I would say, right? Like like does is the time invested, does that lead to something potentially good for the company in my role? What what has really changed now is that it's a way broader scope that that I'm you know, implementing there, and I'm talking to people where I sometimes do not know what the outcome is going to be, and some of these conversations led to the best conversations ever. Maybe just because of the fact that it wasn't even about the role or the company that person was working for, but they basically reached out to me and said, "Like, hey, Stefan, I'm, I'm I see what you're doing. I think I think you do some some great work there. I really want to learn more about you or about the company." And then you know, and then maybe not even looking at what what exactly is it he is doing and just be open, right? That's, that's a, a big lesson for me to be open and see, right? And, and if, you know, for whatever reason, if you don't connect really or it doesn't fit, then you can always, you know, make, cut that, that call short and be honest about it too. But I, I can just say that sometimes, you know, with no expectations at all, I, I just had amazing connections, and and you know maybe maybe it's a hobby, it's it's someone they know that is not even related to their job, right, or to their position, and and likewise for me. So that being said, you know time is scarce, and it's, it, I'm not talking about you know doing doing just small talk with people, but really to to uh, connect and see where where the conversation can lead us.
0: Right. And that's such an important mental shift. Instead of saying like, what is this person going to do for me and my business? It's like, what value can I bring to this person and how can I help them out? And then just seeing where it goes. And I think that's a really great mindset to have in business. So Stefan, do you think the combining of fitness and technology is a fad that people will tire of and, you know, why or why not?
1: Um, So in general, I don't think so. I'm sometimes a bit amused by the whole discussion that you can also see on LinkedIn when it's about First, let's say, you know, a Peloton share explodes and gyms are dead and everyone's buying now fit tech gadgets and it's it's going to stay like that forever. At the same time, now the, uh, kind of the opposite happens, right? Like now they're all beating down on Peloton and all the journalists are writing, yeah. And, and you know, things like a Planet Fitness membership increase the numbers are great. And I just find it a little bit funny, you know, like I see it a little bit Differently, in a way that we're we're looking at accelerated growth. I would say through COVID, we're looking at a ten-year growth rate here or growth path, where the whole health and fitness industry will have you know will will have uh, ten years of growth, and it's more about how let's say technology is applied, how it's integrated. I think it's important that technology is used to improve the health and, and, and you, know, you know, health of people and our lives and not make it just about the technology itself for no reason. I think that's important. But other than that, it's going to be like a snowball that will further gain speed and size. There's no there's no question to me. And I think
0: that I agree. I mean, I don't think the fitness market was really mature, right? <laughs> we are still maturing. So you made such a good point there.
1: No, absolutely. And I mean, uh, if you look at it, I also know, have a lot of friends in, in, you know, in the gym chain space and different operators. And uh, I mean, every single chain is trying to figure out out there how to integrate technology, how to create an ecosystem, with whom to collaborate or not. right? So it is, it is a, a lot of trial and error going on, I would say. And from my personal opinion, it's all about collaboration in the future.
0: I totally agree. Collaboration over competition. You know, there's some interesting things that have been coming out in the news when you talk about, you know, re- staying open and I, you know, just seeing the news of Exponential and LA Fitness partnering together. That's something that I never thought would happen. But when I mm-hmm. thought about it, I was like, OK, that kind of makes sense. Like a sublease is really a great situation. And so there are a lot of different ways to gain market share to, you know, get more people moving. And I think we have to be creative with the way that we look at things and the, the technology data drives decisions, right? And now if people can make more informed decisions about their fitness because they're able to access this data, I think, you know, that's something positive, right? I don't see that going away ever.
1: No, absolutely. I, I totally agree. And I also think that that I would say technology, it's, it's never the question about Everything is changing to one thing, right? Like the like technology is, is going to impact us in every single aspect of our lives. And I think the fitness industry, even though there's a lot has already been happened or has happened, there's a huge runway of some sort. Things have just begun. It's kind of like how, how I feel like. And I'm just really super excited uh, to be a part of that in some of my projects and, and work with. Let's say brands like Climber or High Gear that have applied technology in new ways. And, you know, and it's not just about the technology, but it's about creating a community. It's about creating an efficient workout, something, something superior to maybe what's on the market already, instead of, you know, coming out with the fifth connected fitness bike or something.
0: And you have, you know, your fingers on the pulse of not only the American market, but the global fitness market. And so from your experience, are there certain countries that embrace fitness technology more so than others? And and if so, why do you think that's the case?
1: So, yeah, of course, you know, when you think about fit tech, uh, a lot is going on in the U.S., especially around investments and we and see money going you know, heavily into that and billions and billions of dollars. I would say, you know, when, when you take North America, and I would include Canada, uh, not forget our friends up there who also have quite a, a tech scene in the meantime, especially in Toronto. I would say, you know, if, if North America is the global leader in fit tech, I would say when you move over, you look over to Europe. I definitely say UK, Nordics and the Benelux are some of the first adopters in Europe. The Middle East also, well my partners there, you know, also ask more and more for these newer fit tech technologies and then also of course in Asia you have China, you have Japan, South Korea, who have already heavily adopted technology. And even, you know, a lot of the technology like Samsung and others are coming from that space. And it also yeah, creates more and more demand into these Fit Tech solutions in Asia. But even if you take Germany, right, I'm, I'm originally from Germany, so I, I know my folk pretty well. And they're talking about these hybrid buyers in Germany. That basically means that, you know, you may drive a portion and you drive to the discounter to buy your food. And why I'm bringing that up is that in fitness, we were always discussing, okay, so can we come up with an app? This is, we're talking 10 years ago, right? Um, should we come up with an app and do a monthly subscription and sell some training plans? and it was really interesting because historically speaking Germans or a lot of Germans not all of them but the majority of Germans would then maybe not even spend 9 dollars a month or or you know the maybe the limit is at 19 dollars a month and just in general you know I find Germans are a bit reluctant to pay to um, you know to do monthly subscriptions and so it will be really interesting i mean you can find Peloton or Echelon or Baja. Uh, or other oh, spa is um, kind of a fitness mirror from Germany or Freeletics. And, you know, they are gaining traction from what I know, but it'll remain to be seen like how successful those monthly subscription offers will be in, in a country like Germany and, you know, also maybe going more towards Eastern Europe mm-hmm. as well.
0: So everyone wants to grow their business and you're an expert in business development. So let's pick your brain a little bit for the listeners here. When you first work with a brand, what are some of the first few steps that you take in helping them to develop their business?
1: So over the last few years, I kind of created a checklist for that. And I would just basically sit down with them or be on a a video call nowadays and go through that list and kind of get a a quick understanding. So to whom are they already selling successfully? Is it B2C? Is it already B2B as well? What kind of customer are they typically selling to? Do they they have the knowledge about that? I would also go over the classic four piece of the marketing strategy, being product price, place, and promotion, and just discuss, let's say, certain aspects that are extremely important for them. If, you know, if it's a company that is not even active yet internationally, they may not even know about that. There are certain quality certifications that you need to apply for, for your products. Of course, you have different languages you need to look into and how easily you could apply that. And let's say, you know, product information is the the simplest of of things in a catalog, but what about if you have an app, right? How easy... Can you integrate other languages? How about your content and things like that? So it depends a little bit on what what the product and service is about, of course. But also other things, product calculation. Are they familiar with typical distributor calculation, a distributor that is then also um, selling to retailers? So certain things around the pricing, logistics, of course, uh, some legal aspects. Have they thought about protecting their brand world, right? Or or would they run into some problems Or, or a distributor would potentially run into some problems because there might be a, a competitor brand that will not allow you to sell your products in, in this specific country so there's a lot of pieces um, moving pieces around that and it's also about taking stock of where a company's at with their knowledge about these things and then making sure basically okay let's also go over what are your key market goals what are you, you know what are your key objectives and trying to come up with some smart goals for them short versus long term I'm guess most people are familiar nowadays with what a smart goal is, but you're really you know making this specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and time-based goals. And then I would also screen their marketing assets, would make sure, you know, their their product descriptions, their catalogs, POS material, you know, do they have a distributor contract draft or other sales contract drafts? Do they have a company deck? All these nice little things that you really want in your process uh, of building business with new B2B partners, I would say. Yeah. And then once, let's say I have an overview and once I went through that checklist with the company and we signed an agreement together, then I can basically start to present the brand to my extensive network of uh, mostly fitness distribution companies around the world. And yeah, and also some retailers and set, set up first calls to discuss the opportunity.
0: That's a lot that people have to consider. So I can definitely (laughs) appreciate that you have this expertise that not many people have. So Stefan, when you're looking to to pair a brand with a distributor, an international distributor, what makes a good fit there and and what makes for a great distributor?
1: Well, I think that that the whole thing is it's not a one size fits all right so it is about uh, figuring out what a company is about and then of course over you know over the last almost 20 years i do know a good number of these distributors really well with some of them i'm also friends over time so i kind of have an understanding of their business setups and i can identify you know maybe in some countries i know 2 or 3 potential candidates but depending on the, the product and how it's sold, I could then, you know, think about like who of these three would be the obvious choice or is it is it two of them? And we, you know, we would talk to both. So there's a lot of knowledge that that is helpful. To yeah, identify and and let's say a big part of my value is probably that I can make make these things happen much faster. Because what what do companies otherwise do? They go to trade shows, they talk to a million people. Depending on how you know how they're already out there, they may also get some inbound traffic, but have no idea what these companies are doing. And it's it's really a time-consuming process. If you go through all these motions, then you may end up with the wrong partner. You may waste your time. The fitness industry is such as such is also is global, but it's also a small, I always say like a, some sort of a family. So, you know, if people are accelerating in what they're doing, or also maybe performing not so well with brands, you'll sooner or later hear it if you have, you know, the finger on the pulse and you have some good connections. And yeah, there's a lot of information and, and knowledge that I think a company can tap into through someone like me or or some of my colleagues out there in the market and and really accelerate things and maybe come to a higher probability that these partnerships yeah start up and then also lead to a long-term success
0: right i can definitely see the value in saving time, money, resources, right? I mean, if you're a new business that's looking to get into the international market, you really can't afford to waste time, right? Like that's like, there's this key window when, you know, your press release is going out and and the buzz is being created and you really can't afford to to start off with a relationship that doesn't end up working. Why don't you share mm-hmm. an example of yeah. how a company can actually Waste time, money, and resources by making the wrong relationship or selecting the wrong distributor partner?
1: So, yeah, and then there's, of course, uh, you know, over the time you make your different experiences. What what I wanted to share is two different things. So, so I wanted to start with one thing where I remember I talked to a startup company and they had a really well going B2C business and they wanted to grow internationally through B2B partnerships. And the product itself was really interesting to me. And but that's why this the, the whole check and, and this whole checklist and this whole process is, is important. When I started looking, you know, sitting together with the leadership and starting to look into calculations, I, I quickly realized, okay, this product is really cool. The company is such uh, could be super successful, but You know, I found out that the leadership basically just didn't really want to share any of their margin with, you know, with other partners. And they were used to their bigger margin when they when they sell in the direct channels and maybe in their home country. And uh, so sometimes it's, it's really also about realizing, okay, maybe this this company doesn't really understand the nature of international B2B distribution as such. Right, and, and you can have the best product, but if if your potential partner cannot make any money with it, they're not going to do anything. And yeah, I feel like business partnerships are really a bit like marriages; like it kind of needs to be balanced out. Otherwise, there's not going to be a long-term success, right? If it's one-sided, and both sides really need need to be willing to give in such a relationship, otherwise it wouldn't work. And then the other story would be that, unfortunately, also you know had experiences where. I think when things uh, go wrong or don't go so well, one thing that can happen, and, and that happened in this, in this example, is that let's say you have a distributor and he's been really successful with a product. But the main reason for that was because the brand was doing a lot of marketing, had like a global footprint. Became maybe part of a trend. I've seen this with things like Hyperize, for example, right? Where, where Hyperize became, or, or also Theragun, you know, it's not about a single brand here, but let's say this, this whole space became such a big trend. And then, you know, a brand like Hyperize may fly, may then fly off the shelf, right? And the distributor basically is more or less just organizing the warehouse and the logistics. While when you have a startup brand that no one knows. And it's and it's really about getting spreading the word out there and showing the buyers and and us, other decision makers what a great solution this is is a completely different or or you know you need to have a completely different skill set for that. And so what so I did make you know did make some let's say experiences there where I thought my well this company is really strong they're financially strong they're very capable but for some reason then you know they were not able to launch a brand while maybe in another country, the same brand would be super successful with someone who, who was just used to build a brand up from, you know, from zero, from the ground.
0: Those are great points and you know you made me think of something else when you were talking about the popularity of Hyperace and Theragun and all of that. One thing that's been happening lately is like these celebrity investors and actually one of the brands that you <laughs> represent <laughs> has been in the news about, you know, cele- g- garnering celebrity investment and I just love to hear your take on does that make your job significantly easier in the international space or you know what are your thoughts on celebrities getting involved in the fitness space?
1: Well, I would say that it it is an important piece, right? The the whole marketing support, I would call it, can also help internationalization a lot, of course. In the end of the day, that alone also doesn't do the trick if the product isn't really offering a great value to people, right? In the end, the end consumer will always decide, which I think happens if uh, when when, uh, something just has endorsements, but the actual product isn't that great. It will make people buy because because endorsements do actually do definitely work, but I'm always interested in the long term and in in the, the long term success of it, and I think Climber is a really good example, right? Because of course it's it's really exciting to to be in a project like that to have you know well known investors like Novak Djokovic and Pitbull and Jay Z and others, but at the same time that is literally just one you know, one piece of of the full circle, I would say. It's so much more than that. It is definitely helpful. It helps to spread uh, the brand, uh, to get the word out there. But eventually, what we have really seen with Climber is that, you know, by by having built 2021 version of a vertical climbing machine and bringing together this innovative uh, machine design with an engaging platform of world-class trainers for your community, you know, offering a solution that is way more efficient than, than any bike, rowing machine, treadmill, whatsoever. It's fun, it's it's easy to use for anyone. At the same time, you get the toughest workout out of that. So when I last year, when I visited Climber in Denver, that you know, learning more and more about all these, these single pieces. You know, brought together this piece. So it wasn't about the celebrity investors as such, right? Like, that was one, one factor for me. But so the more I learned about it, and then, you know, felt the workout myself, you know, in the end, I just, I knew I had to become a part of that.
0: Right. And that makes so much sense. Like the celebrity factor definitely helps. It gives a little bump, but at the end of the day, it's all about the consumer experience and their journey and how, you know, that's what stands the test of time, right? Like uh, having an article in, in the New York times about an investor that creates a little bit of buzz and that's definitely helpful. But at the end of the day, you know, if people are still using the product in, in, you know, five years, it's not going to be because of that one article that they read. It's going to be because the product is superior and as is the experience. So Stefan, just, you know, leaning into your, into your expertise and, you know, you're, you're a global player. So you've seen a lot, what are some opportunities that you believe the fitness industry needs to lean into a little bit more?
1: That's a good question. First of all, Vanessa, I would say that coming back to this being very consumer centric, really thinking, um, trying to think through the consumer's eyes and Allowing them solutions and superior solutions to work out, to be healthier, to, to uh, you know, enhance the lifestyle, no matter where they are. Doesn't matter if that's at home, in a gym, outdoors while traveling. I think offering solutions for, for, of choice is, is great. And then also supporting them with a smart and integrated ecosystem around that and solutions that you know, are available to these people no matter how they decide to do something for their health, I think it's really important. And the other big thing we've touched based on a little bit earlier in, in uh, regards of the FitTech company and our FitTech club there, I think that a growing spirit of collaboration that we're already seeing, I think that is the future. And we, you know, I think companies should should, if they're not already collaborating with a lot of other companies should really ramp up their game there. I just think that that's the way to to come to these integrated solutions as well and yeah, create the best ways how to reach people and how to support them in their fitness journey.
0: Right. And to piggyback off of something that you mentioned earlier, which was the theme of staying open, I definitely implore businesses to stay open when, you know, in regards to strategic partnerships, I think there's a lot of different ways to to layer relationships in a way that benefits both parties. And sometimes it takes that out of the box thinking to to bring partnerships to life and and improve this customer journey. So Stefan, if somebody's listening to this and they want to connect with do you want They want to learn more about one of your brand partners. How can they do that?
1: Well, the easiest way is probably coming back to LinkedIn, right? I'm a big LinkedIn fan. So that's an easy way how to connect with me, you know, under, what is it even? LinkedIn.com slash IN slash Stefan dash Silner, I guess. But yeah, just putting in the name, we, I usually have at least one, you know, at least some connections in common with almost everyone now in the fitness industry, sometimes it's really funny because sometimes there might be a thousand mutual, mutual connections. And yeah, so things have changed a lot and made it also a lot easier to connect, right? Where uh, in the beginning, I, I probably took the time and, and wrote a lot of messages, which I can't really do that that often anymore. So the whole connecting piece via LinkedIn is, is the easiest, I would say. Of course, they can also send me a message at climber.com or stefanatheigefit.com. But Yeah, LinkedIn is an easy way to do that.
0: Great, thanks so much for your time today.
1: Thank you, Vanessa, for having me.
0: Hi everyone, this is your host, Vanessa Severiano. Thanks for tuning into this episode. If it brought you value, please subscribe, review, and share the Business Side of Fitness podcast. If you'd like to learn more about working with me, please click the link in the show notes. Thanks again for listening and I'll catch you on the next episode.